Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we're continuing our coverage of Sign of the Time Super Deluxe. Yay! Yay! Disc two of the original album. Yay! Yay! That's the only word I can think of. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. So it's we wanted quite- to wrap around first back to the previous episode. You had asked me when we covered disc one on Play in the Sunshine if I knew of any meaning behind we're going to love all our enemies to the gorilla falls off the wall. And yes. it turned into not only not a discussion of what that might have meant, but also a discussion of gorillas are more than just big monkeys. <laughs> and the expression is not there's a gorilla in the room. There's an elephant, which yes. might just be a big gorilla. <laughs> However, listener and friend of the podcast, Chamber Stevens, got in touch with us with some interesting thoughts on what he thought that might have meant. And I thought, boy, that's that's really smart, that it was a reference to Michael Jackson, his album Off the Wall, uh, Love All Our Enemies. You know, they kind of, in the mid to late 80s, it was sort of a made-up fun thing that Prince and Michael were not friends, and you know they were obviously very competitive and uh, were up against each other a lot. Right, and Michael Jackson had a orangutan, I believe, as a pet. Oh, or I didn't, I wasn't prepared to get into another m- monkey gorilla orangutan oh. discussion. I don't know what kind of animal it was. He, it was some kind of ape creature. Yes, yes. He had a litany of unusual pets. Right. <laughs> I feel like. That's a great idea for a podcast right there and just call it a litany of unusual pets. Let me write this down. Okay, got it. All right. And since last time we Mm -hmm. took a look at the original cover for Sign of the Times, the one that came out in 1987. Yeah, the double jewel case edition that we have. Yes. I thought we would take a look at the exterior packaging of... Sign of the Times Super Deluxe. We could spend an entire episode just talking about the packaging and all the stories. And yeah, I don't know that we need to do that. So we're going to break it up a little at a time. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fine. Yeah. So it's the same size and shape as a box that the vinyl would fit in, which I think is really smart. Yes. A lot of, I see a lot of people complaining, like, this doesn't fit on my CD case. Maybe you need to rethink your music organization. I don't know. But this was really smart to size it in like a 12 by 12 inch container, Mm -hmm. which is really, really cool. We have the piano and a microphone, 1983. Was it a deluxe edition or special edition? Whatever. It came with the vinyl and the CD, and it's the same basic dimensions as Mm -hmm. this. So if you've been buying vinyl and putting it on display, then this fits perfectly. Mm -hmm. And it's very like a thick, heavy box. So it is a deluxe set. It could stand on like a shelf on its own. So if you wanted to put it like Mm -hmm. on a shelf, leaned up against the wall to just display. You could. You totally could. Yeah. The picture on the front is a little bit different. Yes. than Than the original album. The official cover, which we talked about last time, is actually inside of the CD packaging right. on the book. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same. I'm sure it's from the same sessions where Jeff Katz was shooting the scene with the Sign of the Times drum set, the front of the car, uh, that 
backdrop that they got from mm-hmm. the Chanhassen Dinner Theater from Guys and Dolls, flowers and uh, garbage and that uh-huh. kind of stuff. But it does not have Prince sitting on an apple crate super close to the camera. Out of focus. Out of focus, no, right. No, it's, it's got, got a translucent Prince. Yes. On the front, holding the guitar that had formerly been on the floor. Right. So while in this picture... It looks like the guitar and his outfit are yellow. I think they must have been peach. Yeah. Because the, it the was the peach guitar kind of, that yeah. was on the ground. Yep. Yeah. The transparency makes it look a little yellow. You're mm-hmm. right. And it's got a really beautiful gloss. Varnish. Varnish. Thank you. Yes. I knew you would know. Spot gloss varnish uh-huh. of the type treatment for Prince Sign of the Times yeah. over the top of it, which is lovely. Yeah. It's really pretty, and you have to have it in the right light to even be able to see it, which is charming. It is. It's mm-hmm. very, I mean, super well done. Right. And then the back is just like the... The outside the of outside. the double original CD, CDs, but right. without a song listing on it. If you right. want to get song listings, you've got to go inside. Inside. But it also has the gloss varnish on the back with a... Peace symbol in quotes, yes. which is pretty cool. Yeah, from the O in Sino of the Times. Mm-hmm. And then there's the book. If you pull it out, there's a large book that fits, and it's got print sign of the Times printed on the spine. Is it printed, or it's just the gloss varnish on a black spine? Yeah, I think yeah, so. It's like a blind gloss mm-hmm. varnish. And then... There's, of course, this beautiful book with lots of interesting stories, and all the CDs are in the back of it. Yes, along with the the one DVD DVD as well. And they're all themed with the either the cross, the heart, or the peace symbol Mm -hmm. um, that we saw in the original artwork. It's really well done. It's really beautiful. The back of the book has the, again, the varnish with print sign of the times and then the picture on the in on the front of the inside book is similar to the cover yeah. but there's different drum kit right well or it's i don't know is it a different drum kit or is did somebody just do some no. photoshop uh well that wasn't really a thing then so no the, well, it's a, it's a it different wasn't drum a kit. thing then but it's a thing now it's a thing now, but the blue drum kit was a separate kit altogether. Oh, it was? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yes, there's like a teal drum kit, and he's wearing uh, the same jacket, but a different the, a shirt that matches the drum kit. It's yeah. really Also lovely. really cool. Just another, probably another shot that was um, you know part of the original album cover photo mm-hmm. sessions. I'm glad that the fake ficus <laughs> kind of made it out <laughs> of the set. For what became the album cover. That's the one thing that I thought, well, that's kind of, I don't know. It's the one thing that seems, I mean, they all kinds of eclectic stuff here, but a wicker woven basket with the most generic of fake shrubberies back it's there. It's like somebody went in their office yeah. and was like, Ooh. we need something green. Yeah. <laughs> this will work. Mm, not exactly. Well, you can put it there. Sure. Does it work? We can work? try. We can try. We can try. Uh, but lovely photography and art direction for this mm-hmm. entire era um, really captures the essence of the album and the kind of the eclectic nature of uh, this collection, too. I'm very impressed and happy with the packaging. 
As am I. I mean, it was not, I mean, it should be great for the $160 it costs, but you've got to think too, you're getting not only this great packaging, photography, the book, but you're also getting eight CDs. So, I mean, if a CD costs whatever, $15 times eight, you're already $120 into it, into it, right? Right. Exactly. So altogether, it's kind of, I mean, it is COVID season and pandemic times. People have lost jobs and, you know, things are rough. I get it. But I wouldn't call this overpriced for no, what you get. No, I agree. I can't. It's hard to call it reasonable, but that's why there are multiple editions of it. You can get different sets. You can also just stream the thing, you know? Right. Yes. So I think they made some good decisions as far as, you know, from low end to high end. You've got all kinds of options to get your hands on this. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly nice to have the box set and the book, but um, the music is where it's at. So Yes, let's uh, talk about it. it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's what we're here to do, right? (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So disc two. I always think of this as so much shorter than disc one. Because disc really one has <laughs> disc one is nine songs, disc two is seven. Uh-huh. But I still always think that it's a shorter listen. But it's thirty nine minutes and forty four seconds in length, and disc one was forty minutes and seventeen seconds in length. So they were like within thirty five seconds of one another, right? Which is always hard for me to to get through my stupid head. <laughs> I'll see if I can work on it some more. All right, so this disc opens up with. You got the look, the third single from the album. Right. (laughs) You're welcome, dear. (laughs) It also made it onto the second disc of the hits. Right. This is the first time that Sheena Easton has appeared on a Prince album, but they had worked together on tracks for her albums. Correct. Beforehand. Yep. Uh, The original plan, according to Sheena in a 2012 interview with the Chicago Windy City Times, was that she was just going to record background vocals. And when Prince heard this and heard what she'd done with it, he decided to turn it into a duet. I think I read the same interview where she said that her vocals were recorded kind of in isolation. She was not Mm -hmm. with Prince singing this. Right. She didn't know that she was singing with him and felt like... Her vocals were kind of all over the place when they put Prince's already recorded vocals with hers. Uh-huh. Uh, and they Prince liked it so much that uh, he decided to keep it that way. Because it is kind of this, not out of tune, but it's, it's an odd sounding song. Mm-hmm. There are parts of it that sound weird. Um, and so I can see why he liked it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. As something different. Yeah. The single was backed with Housequake. Mm-hmm. Housequake was a B-side um, and also included Long Look, a, an extended version of the song that we'll look at uh, soon um, on the next disc, actually. It's included. And Housequake had an extended version as well on the 12-inch, Seven Minutes Moquake. And we'll do that next episode also. Super cool. Yeah. Prince was sued by his half-sister Lorna over the song. Yes, he was. I remember following that in the late 80s. Okay. And it ended up being dismissed. Correct. And Prince never even appeared in court, although I remember saving a newspaper clipping of this Uh issue saying, you know, that it was dismissed, whatever. And it was a picture of Prince looking like he was walking down a court hallway or something like that. But it was just... Uh, it was a photo that didn't match reality. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. She said it was uh, similar to her song, What's Cooking in This Book. Uh-huh. And the judge said they weren't similar enough to be considered plagiarism. Yeah. So. Yeah. And all I could think of is, like, why does Prince need to plagiarize anyone? You know, sample maybe. Yes, be inspired mm-hmm. by them, sure. But. Gary Newman, the guy who sang Cars. Yeah. Did a cover of this song. I did not know that yeah. at all. <laughs> That sounds like a terrible idea. It wasn't a good choice. Okay. <laughs> I have never heard that, nor do I plan to. Wow. I bet there will be a link to his version of it on since, our social media. Since you control the social media, I bet you're right. <laughs> you can find us and that link on our social media on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T M A T S podcast. You can send me an email at TMATS podcast at gmail.com. And if you need that link, I'll be happy to send it back over to you. Man, the song missed being number one by just a hair. It peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in September 1987 after it was released in July. So mm-hmm. it climbed all the way to number two and didn't quite make it to number one. Yep. I also read some things on Prince Vault that I didn't really realize. I title this section with Josh, Fun With Names. Oh, excellent. To album credits, you got the look. Vocals to Camille and Sheena Easton. The single for You Got the Look is in, is credited entirely to Prince and doesn't mention Sheena Easton <gasps> on the really? cover at all. And then the if you've listened to the Madhouse albums or uh, the song The Outtake, The Coco Boys, that's included on this set, you'll probably recognize the preset synth sound that you first hear at the beginning of You Got the Look is mm-hmm. used uh, on Madhouse 8 and 9 and also in The Coco Boys. Very cool. Mm -hmm. There was another place that a version of this song appeared. Oh, please tell me it wasn't like, gosh, did Garth Brooks cover this? No. Okay. (laughs) There was a lullaby album of Prince songs in 2012 called Rockabye Baby, and it has an instrumental version of the song that's delightful. Really? (laughs) Uh, Much better than uh, Gary Gary Newman singing. Yes. (laughs) This is Prince on all instruments and singing lead vocal as Camille duetted with Sheena Easton and Sheila E. gets credit for drums. So it's a three-person effort. Excellent. Man, who knew Prince cared anything about baseball? He had a basketball court at Paisley Park. He had a basketball hoop on the Love Sexy tour set. He... Wrote a god awful song for the Minnesota Vikings, so he had some <laughs> connections to football. But uh, I think this is the only place where you'll uh, see him mention baseball in a song, the World Series of Love. Oh yes, Christy was looking at me like, "What are you talking <laughs> about? There are no strikes in this song. There are no balls in the song." Yeah. Seriously, yes. Yeah. Now that you say it, I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Now I see where he was going. Whew, I don't have to cut that idiot out again. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna go down one of his gorilla paths again. 
So it kind of, I mean, Prince singing as Camille is kind of gender bending in the first place, but Prince singing as Camille in a song about a love game battle between a boy and a girl is, you know, uh-huh. kind of super gender bending. Yeah, fun. but su- it's really fun. It is very fun. I was trying to figure out if there was any other reference to the color aesthetic of the album in any other song, and there's not. No, nope, he call he one. says, "Color me peach and black, color me taken aback, crucial." Think I want you, which crucial is another outtake from this era. Yes, which eventually got released on Crystal Ball. Yes. Yeah. In 1997, the outtake collection is what you're talking uh, about, right? Yeah. I thought it was 98, but I don't remember. You would know better than I would. In 97 or 98, whatever. It took almost a year for us to get it after it was released. So <laughs> sometime in there. Yes. <laughs> this is no damsel in distress, and he likes it. Yeah, She's she a is. pretty girl who looks tough. Tough. Right. And he's impressed by that. I've never seen a pretty girl. thinks uh like hotness and strength are synonymous yeah which is pretty cool yes it is especially in 1987 not the most woke of years as prince says the drums in this song are slamming mm-hmm. and again very unique compared to other songs on the album which i really liked now this was like one of the last songs recorded for the album but you've got the the beat and then this kind of sheila e percussion fills going on mm-hmm. throughout the entire thing which give it a kind of a unique flavor yeah particularly in the chorus so you've mm-hmm. got this great beat and then there's just some a little panache yeah Ooh. yeah fancy yeah i wish you could see the hand gestures that are being made here wow <laughs> you're right yeah it does and then him whispering at the beginning here we are folks Reminded me because I listened to it so much after it was released as a preview song uh, for this set. Cosmic Day sounds a whole lot like that when you now compare the two together. So they really are connected by, um, I don't know, similar whispering and Camille vocal effects going mm-hmm. on. Look, look outside the, outside the window. The clouds, they look like cream cream. There's nothing strange. I really loved the use of heckaslamin. Did you like that? Yeah, I really did because it rhymes with jamming and ramming, which gives yeah. it a really, it's a fun chorus to sing. Yeah. Heckaslamin. Heckaslamin. I think that was probably made up. I, well, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yep. Even just his little ad-libs throughout this song, too, like at 1 minute and 16 seconds, where he eases into verse 2 before he starts singing. He says, looky here. (laughs) That's one of my favorite parts of the whole song. What I really liked in the second verse, we have a rare instance of Prince admitting that he was mistaken. Oh, that's true. It was a mistake about... How she got to be looking so good, though, it was not a mistake about a relationship that had failed. But you're right. Yeah. Credit where credit is due. 
We have yes. definitely covered plenty of songs in this podcast where Prince refuses to take much blame for any failure whatsoever, especially when it comes to relationships. And that mm-hmm. was the source of many, 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 many ballads. Uh, but yeah, you're completely right here for sure. Yes. Well, he tells her, you must have taken a whole hour to make up your face. Because club lights are dim and forgiving and you can cover up a lot if you, especially if you put on a lot of makeup and you can't tell it's a lot of makeup until uh, it's closing time. Yeah. And then the ugly lights, everybody's inspected. Yes. Closing time, ugly lights, everybody's inspected. Come on, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not, if you don't look good, if you know you've got too much makeup on, you don't look good. Yes. Those lights come on, it's like roaches. That's you're right. scattering. There was a Seinfeld episode like that about uh, him dating a woman, Jerry dating a woman who looked fine in the right lighting, but then when she was fully lit, she was a little more appalling than she was attractive. Oh, oh. It reminded me of that oh. a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, he tells her she's a natural beauty, unaffected, and I stand corrected. Yeah, did I say an hour? I stand corrected. at all to look that good that's yes. right because she's a natural beauty she doesn't need yes. all of that i love that lyric yeah i'm glad you caught on to that yeah i don't know why i thought you wouldn't i didn't <laughs> think you wouldn't you did you shared it it's great <laughs> it's so interesting how prince sounds like a man who can charm women even as camille yeah and this uh second disc is has a lot of space dedicated to that yes too. I guess at two minutes and three seconds, the bridge is a repeat of the opening lyrics that are whispered. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, the dream we all dream of, boy versus girl in the world series of love. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, the dream we all dream of, boy versus girl in the world series of love. It's a big stage. Yeah, it really is. I love how we get, but you can hear it even more in the remaster, the Prince background vocals almost echoes, and then the really deep vocal performance that's under there as well. Yes. in the mix anymore and it's so interesting and layered and you realize how much work he really put into this not that yep. you would think he didn't put a lot of work into it because we have spent two and a half years making podcasts talking about how much work he put in yeah. to make these songs but you are exactly right that's where I was going next at two minutes and 24 seconds, uh-huh. uh, the background vocal when he sings, I've never seen such a pretty girl look so tough. 
in the background, he's it's almost like a deep mumbling where he's like, I've never seen It's like he's not even singing it. He's kind of just like half mouthing it, but in a deep register. Then we get this really great guitar. Mm-hmm. At three minutes and six seconds. Mm-hmm. He's telling us this is what we're dreaming of. And I'm like, yes, yes, those guitars are <laughs> that is what, what dreams have made of or made of. <laughs> yep. And then they get these synthesizers that join in. Yeah. And then the whole thing fades out really quick, but it's like a dream. It is like, well, and that's what the video is about too, right? The video is not a live performance. It's a lip sync performance, but him dozing off in a dressing room and then, you know, kind of startling awake as the song, uh, fades to an end, but it's got these weird descending keys as the song fades out around three minutes and 30 seconds. And, uh, I thought the left channel was even more clear with those weird notes in the remaster that you could hear. I think it was Lisa on the Prince official podcast that would say, you know, uh, he wanted me to find weird notes. And this to Uh me was like, you know, his embodiment of that. The song fades out and there are just Weird notes going on. It's just like not off key, but unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, gets points for me. Yeah. Speaking of unexpected, if I was your girlfriend is an interesting, unexpected sort of song. It seemed to me that maybe this was the song you were talking about when you ventured in my direction in the past week and said, <laughs> there are a couple songs here that I've listened to. And, Oh, that's not what that means at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I was listening to this much more closely than I have in the past. I really like this song. Yeah. Well, I've always really so. liked this song. Okay, good. And listening to it a little closer, there's some troubling things. Hmm. Wow. I never found it troubling. I found, um, I'll, I'll well, show first, you why. let's let's cover that it was a single. <laughs> yeah, the second one. Yeah, the second single, and was backed with Shockadelica, which we'll cover um, in our next episode. Of which so it was two outcasts from the Camille project here mm-hmm. that uh, came together as a single and a B side. Did you read that the single is the first Prince-related single to be available on a CD? Oh this no, this is the first one. That's it was a cool. promotional CD single. And the first commercial CD single was Alphabet Street the following year. But this is the first one that got any distribution on a compact disc. That's super cool. It's very cool. Did not do well in the U.S. And I can kind of see why. I mean, even though it's fun to listen to, it's a tough thing to understand where it's it's not a radio-friendly kind of thing, you know? That's fair. Um, Well, and the use of Camille is just right here. Like, it... It fits so well, like he's almost like putting on a different persona to get to know his lover better. And I can see how that wouldn't play well on the radio. Yeah. If you're especially if you know you're driving in your car. That's that's my thing. Whenever you hear radio songs, can you hear this in your car and appreciate it? 
I can. I don't know well, about the average radio listener. That's what I mean. Like if about. you're just driving down the highway and this yeah. is the first time you've heard the song, you can appreciate it. But there's also something a little confusing about it. Yeah, and it's not. I think I don't think a radio is a place to challenge listeners really either. Right. Never really has been. Right. Um, so yeah, I get what you're saying. But that was my summation. Of this song, too, the way you described it earlier, it's a man who's comfortable enough with himself to understand that women don't just talk to men about everything, that there are things they reserve for their girlfriends. And because he wants all of her, he proposes being one of his lover's girlfriends just so he can see the fully painted picture of the woman he loves, which is very, I mean, I think it's a great act of love to say like, why can't you talk to me? Like you talk to share with me the things that you share with your girlfriends, because I want to be a part of all of that. Although it does maybe judging by your (laughs) eyes right now, maybe it borders on a little psychopathic and obsessive. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm like, where I kind of went with this. Okay. Is well, we'll get there. We'll get there. And, you know, it kind of made me wonder. So he's putting on this persona to know her better. Yeah. It almost seems like he's avoiding letting her know him better. Oh, because he's hiding behind another persona? Maybe a little bit. Like he (laughs) wants to see her most authentic self by pretending to be someone else. But he also is sharing the things that he wants to know. He recognizes there are these holes, these mysterious parts of her that he wouldn't get to know otherwise and tells her, to me, that would be so fine. Mm -hmm. You know, like it would make me uh, appreciate our relationship more to share these things together. So he's not completely hiding. But, of course, if he wasn't hiding at all, then he'd just, just be singing it as Prince and saying in his normal singing voice, Hey, baby, treat me like a girlfriend of yours, which he's not doing. But what, there's no fun in that. There's no track two, disc two I, with that approach. It might be more romantic that way, honestly. More romantic for him to hide behind No, to, to sing it in a more masculine sort of voice. Oh, well, you can hear that on the live discs if you like. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get there. It'll be fine. But it's yeah. just, it's interesting. TLC did a cover of this in 1994 on their album, Crazy Sexy Cool. I think I recall that. I don't recall what it sounded like, though. Pretty much exactly the same. Oh, really? So Mm -hmm. it was a copy cover? Yes. There didn't seem like they took a lot of liberties. License. I wonder how that comes across as women singing it. A little weird, to be honest. Because it's made to be sung to a woman. Yeah. Well, I mean, not that a woman can't love a woman. I'm just trying to. Right. I'm just trying to get it through my thick skull. <laughs> huh. Okay. Worth revisiting. So this song starts with a, a little weird. If Prince was looking for weird. Yep. You know, I mean, the whole song's a little weird in some ways, but it starts out a little weird with these interesting samples. We get some spoken words. First you get like an orchestra tuning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You're right. I have it in the wrong order. 
I just wrote them down in the order that I that you that I right. that I found the information. Yeah. <laughs> so don't mind me. In some order. So there's spoken words that came from Spider D's Big Apple Rappin. Could it's, you say that again? <laughs> Spider D's Big Apple Rappin. Okay. It was a sample from that, but uh, evidently that song sampled it from somewhere else, but nobody knows the origin of it. Oh, the uh, look at the bargains over here, ladies, that part? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Oh. Yes. Did not know that. So the orchestral sounds, Yeah. those are a sample from a song called Yellowstone Park oh. by Tangerine Dream. Okay. It's largely instrumental. Um, there's vocalizations in it, but no real lyrics. Okay. So, and then the wedding march uh-huh. came from a sound effects package by uh, Jack Halsman from 1964. Oh, wow. That was... I was dated even then, but that's uh, interesting. I thought the entire thing came from a sound effects package. I did not go hunting for where those things came from, but it struck me as maybe sort of preludes to what Prince sings about in the song, like uh, go out on a date together. You might go see an orchestral performance. You might go shopping together and be mm-hmm. harassed by, you know, <laughs> sidewalk vendors and look <laughs> at the bargains over here. And, you know, maybe with the intention of someday we'll get married. So it's almost like uh, a date in 10 seconds, speed yeah. dating with Prince. Uh, Here are the speed sounds. Speed relationshiping. Right. Yes. Yeah. So he says, if I was your best friend. If I was your best friend. Would you let Can he not be her best friend if he's also her lover? Well, before that, he asked, if I was your girlfriend, would you remember to tell me all the things you forgot when I was your man? I thought here he was just looking for another word rather than okay. girlfriend. If I was your best friend, would you uh, let me take care of you and do all the things that only a best friend can? I think, yes, he could be her best friend and in a right kind of relationship, not feared with all this, not filled with all this uniqueness going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe he would be, Sure. Right. This is largely believed to have been written to Susanna about yeah. Susanna. Yep. Maybe he couldn't be her best friend because her best friend was her twin sister. How do you compete with that? Yep. Yeah. And she talks a little bit about that on the on the podcast. Yes. There's no, you know, breaking or getting as deep of a bond with a sibling, especially a twin. Mm-hmm. Also a twin sister. Yeah. Two women who would share a whole lot of things together. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there may be, a, you're right, a little bit of uh, jealousy underlaid here. There may be a piece of bread on the bottom of the sandwich and then some mayonnaise. <laughs> and a, a little, little bit jealousy of jealousy. LinkedIn. Yeah, and then there's some, yeah, some cold cuts after that. <laughs> oh, but his singing at a minute and 34 seconds, all of his falsetto coups are so lovely. And then he's got these deep backgrounds yep. vocals that Again, are like, like if I was your girlfriend throughout yeah. that are so yeah, yeah you mean like you got the look what did I say if I was your girlfriend I'm sure that's not what I said <laughs> <laughs> well I meant yes you got the look thank yes. you yes. 
So he says, if I was your one and only friend. Uh-huh. And I just realized that's what he really wants from a lover. Yeah, like a complete, you're there for me and for no one else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wants to be the priority in all of this. And there's some darker, controlling undertones that I had never really recognized before mm, okay. in some of these lyrics. So, again, uh, would you run to me if somebody hurt you, even if that somebody was me? So if you just, in the one sense, it's like he wants to be the ultimate confidant. Yeah. Which is very romantic. Yeah. But on the other hand, if she only confides in him, he's the one who gets to determine the narrative. He gets to gaslight her and tell her she's wrong in the way she's interpreting this. Well, I think that manifests itself in many ballads to come in Prince's career, so I can't really argue with you there. But yeah, he wants to have the power to make a mistake or hurt her in some way, and then also be the only place to go to uh, try to fix it, to talk it through. You don't share it with someone else outside of our relationship. It's very, very private. Uh huh. Well, and then he says, maybe you think I'm being a little self-centered. Maybe you think I'm being a little And that seems, okay, great. Oh, he's recognizing this. But then he starts telling her about how she's wrong about that. You may think I'm self-centered, but that's not right. That's not accurate. But then he says, I just want to be all the things you are to me. So in his head... He already thinks that she's got a the same kind of setup in her head about this relationship that he does. He thinks that she, you know, has the full picture of him already, which she probably doesn't because he spends eighty percent of his time in a studio. Uh huh. That's a lot of projection, I think, onto her that you've already got it this good. Now I want to have it that good too, but. As creepy and as uh, controlling as it does sound, the way you are describing it, yes, there is merit, I think, in I'm willing to give up. I don't even want to be a man if that's what it takes to Mm. be this close to you, and I'm willing to do that. Okay. So there's a level of open mindedness. A level of sacrifice that he's willing to make in order to. Yeah, but like you said, the end game, though, is to end up with a very isolated relationship, right? Uh Uh-huh. And then, so there's the spoken outro. Yeah. He wants to be friends and more. Oh, yeah. This was all about friends and letting me pick out your clothes and all these things that Mm -hmm. are romantic and everyday, and then we get down to the nitty-gritty here at the end. Well, and it kind of feels a little like an ultimatum. A little little bit. All of these things. Let Let me do all these things. What's the ultimatum, though? He doesn't say, if you don't show me your body, I'm going to leave. He just says, I'll do it for you. Do it for me. It's more of a quid pro quo than an ultimatum. Okay, that's fair. I'll I'll concede that. All right. But yeah, it gets into things that he's willing to show her and do for her. And I also thought, 
nakedness, yes, you see the whole body, but it's also having one's identity fully exposed, and mm-hmm. that's part of what he's after too. So it has both, I guess, like what you were saying, dangerous and dark undertones, but also a little bit of a level of, you know, we're adults, we can have this conversation, mm-hmm. and there are parts of it that are well-intended, uh, but there is this also underlying persona of Prince that is throughout this thing, and it's exactly why, like we've talked about, that he, his relationships were generally short-lived, because mm-hmm. the one thing that he had the perfect relationship with was music and music making. Right. And, and anything else was going to come second to that. Right. And he was chasing the kind of relationship he had with music. Yeah. With a person. With a person. But there wasn't room for both. Correct. Unfortunately. And then he asks a question, what does silence look like? Yeah, well, I'll try to imagine what silence looks like. Yeah. Yeah, we'll try to imagine what silence looks like. Mm -hmm. And kind of repeats it a couple times. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting from somebody who makes noise for a living. I mean, not that it's noise, but... Well, I mean, like, when you go on vacation, you don't want to make podcasts, right? (laughs) So when he goes on vacation, I mean, like, he described being almost... Uh, possessed or almost like a curse that he heard music and everything, brushing his teeth or waking up from a dream. And so I, I would guess that spending silence, spending time in silence with someone that he loved was a great escape, even though he loved what he did. That, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I saw that as, that it was just a, yeah. let me share something with you that I don't normally get to do. And it might be very short-lived because we know his attention span was relatively short. So he would pursue his musical creations and then also have, I want to do something different now. I want to do something different now. Mm-hmm. You know, There's a lot of that going right. on. Right. When you have to have an understanding of what loud is in order mm-hmm. to be able to understand silence, which yeah. is interesting. Yes, that's very true. No, no. Um, and also try to imagine what silence looks like. He spent this whole song yammering about all these things he wants to be to her. So to suddenly become quiet with her is also, I think part of a positive part of a song like this too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just, I had always seen this as such a romantic song. mm -hmm. And then I started listening to it a little closer and I'm like, it's a little nefarious too. A little, I think it just backs up what Prince usually said about doing interviews or talking about his music. He said that it's all there. Yeah. There's no need to explain it. The music can talk for itself. And (laughs) here it most certainly can. I do love musically how this comes to a close though, with Mm -hmm. this double pop on the Lindrum. And, you know, back when we first started about this track, I wanted to mention too, that it's interesting that it starts on the two, not on the one. Oh, okay. Um, It's kind of in the middle of the beat is where it starts. And then it cuts off real fast at the end, too, which Mm -hmm. is just, um, I mean, there's no doubt this is, I think, a top Prince career track, period. Not just for the music behind it, the vocal Mm -hmm. delivery of it, the gender bending vocals, and yes, the troubling things that you are pointing out. That's part of who this guy was and what he, you know, everything was like to the extreme with him, right? There was no... 
oh, let's just hang out and have fun. That, there was not a lot of that going on. No, you know, either. very few half measures. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well put. All right, and then we have Strange Relationship. He's spelling it out for you here even more. <laughs> <laughs> Originally recorded in 1983, it was reworked in 1985 with Lisa and Wendy. Right. And then their involvement was uh, limited in what would ultimately end up on Sign of the Times. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Tudall did document the recording nexus of this in March of 1983. So thoughts are that it was inspired by Vanity. Mm. Yeah. We'll get to the 1987 Shep Pettibone Club Mix. Yeah, also on this collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still Prince, even the version that's on this album, is Prince on all vocals and instruments. Wendy Melvin gets credit for tambourine and congas, and Lisa is uh, sitar, s- sitar and wooden flute mm-hmm. from a Fairlight organ. Right. And when you listen to the original version, I think is what it's called, on the vault disc, you can hear their contributions much more. And then you can, it also helps you, once you've heard them, go back and listen to this version. You can pick them out. Mm-hmm. You know, they are there, but they definitely got... Minimized. Uh, yeah, minimized, buried, for sure. Mm-hmm. So this remaster is, again, really successful in letting you hear the background vocals more clearly under mm-hmm. such like a loud, driving drum beat. Yep. What the hell? Yeah, it was like a kind of a cloudy pool before. Like if Mm -hmm. you hadn't got the chemicals right in your pool, that's how this whole album sounded before. And now, you know, the pool is clear. You can put on goggles and see all the way to the deep end. Mm -hmm. There's some bass guitar that shines. Normally, don't think of a tambourine as being crucial mm-hmm. to the music in a track, and I just really it shines yeah. and is perfect. Yep, in this one, true. Um, this is definitely the same guy from "If I Was Your Girlfriend." <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> There's, He's still is, here. <laughs> this is not a different version of hey. Prince. This is the same version of Prince who wrote yeah. the last song. This is a, an excellent kind of tracking. I mean, maybe not even intentional, but it is like the If I Was Your Girlfriend <laughs> story part two. Uh-huh. Yeah. I took all the self-respect you ever had. I took you for a ride, baby, and I'm sorry. The more you love me, sugar, the more it makes me mad. I took the self-respect you so he yeah. turns on the charm yep. to get her to love him more. Yeah. And as soon as she loves him more, it makes him hate her. Yes. I mean, even go back to the opening line. I guess you know me well. I don't like winter, but I seem to get a kick out of doing you cold. Uh-huh. I guess you know me well. We get close, and from her perspective, like he enjoys giving her the cold shoulder or uh, kind of pushing her out of the way. Mm-hmm. 
even the, you know, Prince would play this throughout the rest of his career. He played it a lot on the One Night Alone tour that we covered, and he never removed the cursing from the song, even after he swore off cursing. Mm -hmm. Oh, what the hell? I always surrender. What's the strange relationship we hold on to? The hell in here never went away. Oh, what the hell? You always surrender. What's the strange relationship that we hold on to? No, but it's it's kind of a very mid-level sort of curse. You it can is. say it on the television or radio and not get censored by the FCC. True, but I, again, I say, Prince, like you said, there aren't many half measures. And this is one that kind of <laughs> slid by a lot, a lot. I really like the do, do, do. Do, 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 refrain. Yeah. So. You first hear it at a minute and 41 seconds, mm-hmm. and then you kind of sing. As soon as the song starts, I start singing those do, do, do's mm-hmm. right away. Yes. Yeah. And then there's these, like, xylophone-like mm-hmm. synthesizers, and they're lighthearted and creepy. Yep. It's such an interesting. Yeah. There are rehearsals of Strange Relationship circulating, soundboard rehearsals, where that little part is kind of the focus of the song. And I remember first hearing those rehearsals and thinking, how did that end up in there? And then going back and having to really like focus to hear them in the album version, I'm like, oh, okay, they're there. But they're even almost as buried as the sitar that Lisa played. Uh-huh. And yeah, that it may now on this remaster, they're they're kind of more front and center. Mm-hmm. He says, "Yo, baby, I'm sorry." Uh-huh. In this really super deep voice at like two minutes and thirteen seconds. Yeah. It's such an interesting contrast from the Camille-ish mm-hmm. vocal delivery of the rest of the song. Yeah, and a little bit before that, I thought he sums up "If I Was Your Girlfriend" and "Strange Relationship" very well. To his credit. There's a little aside of can't live what you can't live without you. I thought, wow, that's, uh, I don't know if he knew what he was saying there, but it really is the, again, the extremes, you know, Mm -hmm. living with you means this full embracing of all things, including the sisterhood of the traveling pants. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't want to be alone either. He needs uh, somebody there, which is like what Susanna was for him. Right. She was there and knew how to basically stay out of his way and help when she needed and Uh knew when he was doing things to do something else. Mm -hmm. Yep. He does this vocalizing towards the end that feels very organic it's almost a little bit of a stevie wonder vibe mm-hmm. it was really successful and- yep and the yeah yeah chance that's uh-huh. kind of start right as the song starts to fade out at the end mm-hmm. at three minutes and 42 seconds there's this really i don't know just kind of yeah yeah mm-hmm. that repeats yeah. Um, and almost isn't long enough. That's fair. I could have done with more of 
this strange relationship. <laughs> but a great track, and I remember first finding out that it dated, it predated Purple Rain, and thinking well, that can't be right. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, it can be right. <laughs> Speaking of a song that predates Purple Rain, uh huh. I could never take the place of your man. Right. The fourth single, seven months after the album release. Mm-hmm. It also appeared with its single version on the hits. Peppy, fun song. Very much so. Very yeah. poppy, very mainstream. It's got a great hook. You can mm-hmm. sing along. I thought great, great single choice. Yes. I love reading the story, which you can in this book or on the podcast, about how uh, they thought that this was recorded in 1982, but it predated that by three years and uh, was originally recorded on May 23rd, 1979. And he had sat on it for, you know, eight years before re-recording it. It's amazing. From scratch in 1986. Mm-hmm. So our protagonist in the song, The Woman... Her old man ran away in June. Didn't the cousin in Sign of the Times start using heroin in June? Uh, yeah, yes. Horse. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe. June's a tough month to be getting guys. It's a tough month, or album. if it's the same guy, maybe it's not such a bad thing that he's gone. That's true. You don't need that in your life. No. Get a real horse. No. And you'll be happier. Especially uh, when the overlooked fact is that she's pregnant. Right. Yes. In this. He left her with a baby and uh, another one on the way. Not only pregnant, but with another young child. Yes. Which is exactly the kind of thing you'd expect someone on heroin to probably do. Yeah. Man, it takes the song takes off fast too. It's got that mm-hmm. double beat intro. And then the song takes off and I I don't know if it's a, maybe a, we said, you know, very poppy, very easy to sing along to. Uh maybe a hint of country? Oh, yeah. A hint, you know, just like 2%. Like a little bit of flavor without Yeah. It's not too much salt. Yep. It's not too much country. Yes, and lots of acoustic guitars that you can pick up during the first verse in this remaster that I had not really heard before that are really good listen. Did you catch like it? 39 seconds, I believe the line is, asked her if she wanted to dance, and she said that all she wanted was a good man and wanted to know if I thought I was qualified. But it sounds like he sings... Asked me if she wanted to dance, and she said that all she wanted was... It was like the pronouns are all kind of crazy mixed oh, up. Oh, I didn't notice. Well, you'll put some clips in here, and uh-huh. people can listen and decide. Yeah. Asked me if she wanted to dance, and she said that all she wanted was a good man and wanted to do. I thought I was qualified. Yeah. I, I know what he's saying, but it's not... It doesn't sound... Like, that's what he's saying. Okay. Which is kind of weird. I love the way he phrases this, Mm -hmm. that he's gone to stay. Yes. And I know it's so that it'll rhyme with a way. Right. 
but it's such an unusual and interesting way to say he's gone for good. He's gone to or stay. Or just to say he's gone. Yeah. But yeah, to say he's gone to stay. That uh-huh. means, uh, like he's gone forever. Yeah. He is not returning. Right. And it rhymes. And it rhymes. And I just thought it was so interesting. I really appreciated it. Yep. Did you find that the hand claps in the song, there's an example of it like at one minute, 19 seconds and one minute and 22 seconds. There are hand claps. That sound like billiards or pool to me. And it gave me this uh, impression of him meeting her at a bar or somewhere like that. I don't know if that was the intent, but it really sounded like someone taking the first shot in pool. Whatever that's called. What is that called? Breaking. Uh Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. I was going to say breaking the balls, but that's probably (laughs) not what it's called. No. (laughs) 10.35 is a very specific time. Yeah, it is. probably had a digital watch then so he was able to tell exactly when it was did he have one with a calculator on it maybe so <laughs> a casio calculator watch <laughs> even it even took me when i when this album first came out and there's a yeah 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 in the background i couldn't tell what that was until i realized oh it's prince singing and kind of doing this nasally background thing at first instance is like 55 seconds of mm-hmm. him singing these yeah, 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 yeah's in the background. Um, and in the live version, there's a part on the concert film that we covered where Bonnie kind of lip sync and it makes it look like it's her doing it. Uh-huh. When I don't think that it, it was, hmm. even in the live version. But I also liked... Early in the song that he would, he phrased it, we wouldn't be satisfied mm-hmm. instead of if I thought I was qualified. And it's almost like the rhyme scheme spans across verses too, from verse one to oh, verse two in that really part, cool. which I, I thought really... was neat. That's like, like two minutes where he sings satisfied instead of qualified. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's the, the rhyme scheme for the song includes a line that rhymes in each verse that is different too. It's not lines within a verse oh, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool. cool yeah then we get this guitar solo it's frantic and emotional and urgent and sad and one of the best guitar solos on this album rather muted it's not like it's a distorted like screaming guitar it's a very muted electric guitar mm-hmm. you know? and the way he sets it up too with he kind of has this ooh 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 Ooh, uh-huh. and it then breaks into the guitar solo and it just sets it up really brilliantly, I thought. Mm-hmm. And then those guitars and drums later become more determined and relentless. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder if, you know, they end up with a one night stand after oh, all. Oh, that's true. You kind of, well, it takes you through this musical journey too as it breaks into this jazz part where. It's almost like the story continues, but without lyrics. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. I'm like, what's he trying to tell us with this? I think that's this... just like it's almost like uh, like you're watching a movie and you uh-huh. see there's this uh, interlude where yeah, where stuff happens. Has, yeah, and, and you there's don't get... no lyri- there's no lyrics. Yeah. There's no dialogue. Right. Yeah. Lyrics. Or even that stuff happens off camera. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like in Psycho, you never see someone get stabbed, but it's 
very much implied that, you know, uh-huh. it went down. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what's happening here. You get this two minutes and 15 second jazzy instrumental interlude that is like Prince has sung you this story already. And now he's going to play it for you. Right. And it takes you through all these same emotions of right. a little bit of sadness and wow, what a shame. And oh, well, maybe we do have something between us. And uh-huh. did something happen or uh-huh. not? I don't know. Right. I mean, it, I don't know what story. Is it the story of the two of them? Yeah. Is that they decided to go ahead and go through it that anyway and try and ignore whatever dissatisfaction they might feel at the end of it? Yeah. Or is, is it she just realized she didn't really need that guy? If he's going to leave her in this condition, yeah, she's better, she's off, better off, without off without him. Yep. Yeah. During that, I don't know what you call it, jazzy instrumental interlude, you know, you get it's a little bluesy, it's a little jazzy, it's a little dark in spots. Um, but I picked out an acoustic guitar in the left channel at about four minutes and five seconds to four minutes and eight seconds that I had never heard on the original album before. And I... Like, I can sing along with this song. I've obviously listened to it so much, but I also sing along with the instrumental part, too. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Um, But that's one part I had never sung along to because I had never really heard it before. Uh, So definitely um, just the clarity of the remaster, like we keep saying, it benefited so many of these songs, and I think this is definitely one of them. you know, as stuff is going down during that instrumental um, part, like at four minutes and 27 seconds and four minutes and 30 seconds, there's this boom, boom, boom that seems like it's pulled out of Housequake. Okay. That makes you think, oh, something is, you know, going on or the song's building into, into something. Um, and it happens again at like four minutes and 55 seconds through five minutes and 11 seconds. We get this guitar work and those Housequake hits kind of accents that um again it just tied the whole album together for me now i'm hearing stuff Mm -hmm. on track four of disc two that i heard in track three of disc one Uh and it's just i don't know brilliant i don't think really describes it correctly and also completely easy to overlook like if you don't hear it you couldn't be you know really blamed for it because first of all it's a lot to take in on just these two discs but um, there's so many musical connections between these songs, and yet they're all so eclectic and different. Mm-hmm. It's really, really super cool. Yeah. So I just say, just close your eyes and enjoy that two minutes and 50 seconds. It's one of my favorite instrumental moments on any Prince album, and that includes the all-instrumental albums also. Mm-hmm. Right here, in a song that was a single and omitted that a complete part from the radio version, you know? Yeah. Then we have The Cross a promotional single for Sign of the Times in South Africa. I read that. I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And appeared on the Girl 6 soundtrack. Yeah. Which what a weird disc that is. That is weird, it but... Is very weird. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, Prince performed this as the Christ starting in the late 90s. Correct. Jehovah's Witnesses translate the Greek word staros. Yeah to a stake used for torture and or execution rather than the more common and traditional translation of cross. Right. Much to the dismay of many fans. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing him in concert and seeing him sing this as the Christ. Yep. And he said, somebody lied about the way somebody died. Right. And I was like, huh. 
I don't know that it's lying. It's different interpretations. I mean, the bottom line is we agree that Jesus was tortured until he died. Right. Whether it was on a post or a cross post or two giant gorillas walked in different directions and pulled him apart. Oh, gosh. Wow, that got graphic and weird it did. fast. Okay. Right? I mean, Prince also said, oh, we should champion our similarities. We shouldn't champion our differences. And these are things we all agree on. So, again, uh, his his story and his beliefs changed throughout his life, and he's more than you know entitled to his opinions and his songwriting yeah, about it, too. Uh, if you ask me, I'll sing it as the cross. Thank you. That's Be- just fine. Yes. Prince's voice and the message are yeah. really the star. For sure. Of this. For sure. I mean, he the performance is... Beautiful, just breathtaking. Did you listen to the official podcast where Susan Rogers said that, you know, it's very obvious, of course, to her ears that the tempo of the song speeds up terribly as it progresses. Uh And in her mind, it should have been, it would have been something she would have normally asked to re-record. Oh. But with Prince, there was no redoing it. It was, you know, I did it, it's done, and it doesn't have to be. So amazing how much of a perfectionist he was. Yet, he was fine with mistakes making it on the albums. And this is probably the second biggest one on this album next to the ballad of Dorothy Parker mm-hmm. and that um, uh, console not oh. working correctly and making the album. He just he was like, I like it. We're yeah. We're going to keep it. Let's I was going to say, I kind of thought it was. Of course. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it that way. Yeah. 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 On the original CD release, it was just habit for me to crank the volume as soon as I can never take the place of your man ended. And we get those little synthesizer sounds for about nine seconds because I wanted to hear the super quiet intro guitar on the cross. And I feel like I can hear it all much better now without having to jump at the volume knob and it's like wow this inconvenience is no longer something i have to deal with in my life (laughs) and as the strumming starts i've always thought of the super old hymnal the old rugged cross (laughs) yes um you know of course this is a much more modern song of course and touches on many of the issues that are covered in the title track for sign of the times Mm mm-hmm uh, and poverty is a big focus of the cross. But on the hymnal, the old rugged cross, it's, I will cherish the old rugged cross. In the cross, it's, if we can just bear the cross, if mm-hmm. we can carry this cross and this burden. If we can just bear the cross. We talked about the photography on the cover of the album i think it is an embodiment of the first part of the song where he sings ghettos to the left of us flowers to the right ghettos to the left of us flowers to the right if you look at the cover of the album to prince's left there's trash garbage there's a solo cup on the ground to his right there are flowers. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was an accident. No, I don't think so either. I think it's a way of also saying there's beauty even in difficulty. Like oh, yeah. the flowers still grow in the ghetto. Okay. Like that's a 
challenging place to live, but there's still some beauty there. Oh. If you're looking for it. Okay. I saw it as like, this is the divide of humankind, you know, and our social inequality. You look to the left and it's poverty and ghettos. You look to the right and it's flowers and beauty and they're, they're separated. They don't come Mm. together very much, but Mm. I can see how you're seeing it too. Yeah. I see it as him like walking down the street and there's a ghetto, Uh you know, right there, like a rundown apartment building, but growing up in the cracks of the sidewalk or flowers. Yeah. There's beauty there too. Yeah. So, but I can see how you're saying it. I think, you know, this is Prince on every instrument and vocal. And Susan Rogers also said this was the kind of song that he would record on a Sunday, especially if he had recorded a naughty track mm-hmm. earlier in the week or the, <laughs> or the, or the pr- previous day. This was his make good kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So that one minute and 21 seconds when the kick drum comes in on If We Can Just Bear, kick drum, the cross. If we can just bear. Uh, it just builds beautifully to me. And actually, if Susan Rogers had, if I'd never heard her say that the tempo in the song picks up as it goes along, I would have never heard it. Right. So I hope we've ruined it for as many people <laughs> as she did for me. <laughs> but I think the imperfection of it is also part of its beauty. Mm-hmm. Well, and I too. think that's kind of maybe the point because this is I really appreciate that it's a very traditional sort of Christian message don't die without knowing the cross but it doesn't go into that fire and brimstone Mm -hmm. sort of sermony area which you know he heard this in church as kid and all of the don't die without knowing Jesus yeah, was followed by, or you're going to end up in hell. Yeah. And he left that out of this. He did. He kind of said, this is the hellish part. Yeah. You yeah, know? you're right. That this is more like, don't die without knowing it, because the forgiveness that you get is yeah. so important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't, and, and boils it down to that one issue. Just get to know Jesus's story. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. not, not into the, that's what was so frustrating when, you know, he changed it to the Christ. Well, you're getting into details that aren't really the point of salvation. That's you, more you, semantics, not the big picture. Right, right. It's like, were you stabbed to death or were you shot in the head? I don't, you're, you're dead you're either dead. way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What happened, happened. Yeah. We have another pregnant mom in a bad spot. second one on this set of songs the second disc and the way he sings her children need all that she brings Mm -hmm. and draws out brings and hits every Uh b-r-i-n-g-s you know in the in the singing of it is um i don't know kind of a touching way of singing it Mm -hmm. i was wondering about that because it's like there's it's pretty good economically in the 80s right i mean 
there was, I mean, I, well, I went and looked cause okay. I do. That's what you do. <laughs> I was like, it was a time of prosperity. There was a point in the eighties that it was very, the economy was really good. There was a less poverty, but okay. I went and looked and in the mid to late eighties, there was a boom, but trends that were true then and are unfortunately still true now show that black families are twice as likely to be living in poverty than the national average. Mm. So it was a bit of a social commentary as well. Wow. Yeah. I just thought for its simplicity, you Mm -hmm. know, the music, uh, the message, the delivery, Really beautiful song. Yes, I agree. Uh, there's a little bit of a drum pitter patter okay. that repeats, and it is a little bit like a military marching cadence, which I thought was a little weird and interesting. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it had Roman underpinnings or something. Okay. And then the way that it ends, you know, the song does fade out, but we get a hit of. All of Prince's layered vocals singing the cross mm-hmm. as kind of this punctuation after it, like that, it all boiled down to belief. Right. The cross. And then we go from that like, quiet, sort of mm-hmm. sad but urgent into it's going to be a beautiful night. Party song. Party song. Yep. Yep. Very much so. Recorded live at Le Zenith in August of 1986 in Paris. Yep. But it was treated with significant overdubs. Yes. To end up what was on the album. Yeah. A soundboard recording of the actual concert uh, where this was played is circulating. We mm. plan to cover it in a future episode so you can hear what this sounded like to the uh, Fringe audience who was there, and it did not include any of the falsetto singing mm-hmm. that Prince does, um, in, including the trans-Mississippi rap, which right. is what uh, Sheila E.'s part was called. That's uh, The Table and the Chair by Edward Lear, Yep, his poem. Right. Sadly, although it was recorded with the Revolution on the parade tour, uh, the song's credited only to Prince. It's mm-hmm. obvious that other people are playing, but... He does call out the revolution yeah. at one point, too, that was left in. So I thought this was kind of a nice tribute to the revolution, mm-hmm. even though it was very hurtful, obviously, when they were all disbanded. The fact that he even included the song on a whittled-down double album is um, kind of a tribute to them. Yeah, I agree. And it, if you listen to the original recording before all the overdubs we're done. It's almost like Prince had all the verses planned for the song. It's all spaced out perfectly. Mm -hmm. But like I said, his falsetto singing and most of the, if not all the lyrics are um, added in overdubs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always forget that the O-We-O that's Uh from the Wizard of Oz, Uh the song is actually called the March of the Winkies. Winkies? Is that what they called the... (laughs) Yes, so. No, not the monkeys. The the green men who marched oh, like for her the army. Yeah. Oh, okay. They I were forgot there the were green winkies. men. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And they had their overcoats and their yeah. 
Russian-looking sort yep. of hats. Yep. Yeah. Oh, we. Oh. At three minutes and eighteen seconds, when they sing "We Are Beautiful," it's going to be a beautiful night. hear that line in a vault track called the Coco Boys on oh. set and we'll have to cover we will be covering that in a future episode but I was listening to some of the vault tracks this week and heard mm-hmm. that and I was like wait a minute that's from that's the uh, it's gonna be a beautiful night chant uh-huh. and then time went by and I still haven't got a handle on all these vault tracks yet and then it took me 45 <laughs> minutes skimming through a bunch of vault tracks trying to figure out what song it was that I heard it in because I could not place it. Oh, that's so, frustrating. I thought that was frustrating enough to write down in my notes for this song, which I did. Mm-hmm. The crowd interaction's fun. Super fun. I think you can hear Jill really well Oh yeah, in some parts of this. Yeah. There's some bongos that Prince calls out for. He calls out for some drums. And there's some, like, bongos that are still kind of buried. It's like Mm. a hand drum. He calls out for them, and then they're still buried in this mix of it, which is Mm. interesting. Detroit crawl was more fun when you could see him do it. Oh yeah, that's that's why. And even the version that's on the concert film is a higher tempo pace. Mm-hmm. This is fairly kind of like a laid back instrumental jam. It's not like a fast song, um, not as fast as it became on other live performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right before Sheila's Trans Mississippi rap, uh-huh. he says, "Give me the bass, give me the bass one time." And you can kind of hear this growling bass guitar that is like Brown Mark's signature sound playing underneath Sheila as she sings basically word for word the table and the chair poem uh-huh. that you mentioned earlier. Man, I'd have been thrilled to hear this live, particularly if it hadn't been on an album yet. Yeah. Man, how fun must it have been to hear this live. Yeah, something new that you'd never mm-hmm. heard before, and that was part of why Prince toured uh, Europe and not the U.S. for this tour, because he was able to throw stuff like this in. Now, of course, this is at the end of the parade tour, but same idea. You know, right. you're, you're overseas and... Um, you know, people aren't getting upset because you're not playing all the hits. The new stuff is exciting for them, too. And I right. I think that you definitely like that. Yeah. It was at 6 minutes and 31 seconds when Prince tasks the band with Revolution, Break It Way Down Low, and you get those Wizard of Odd OEO chants. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. Interesting that, you know, double album... Broke up the revolution, included a revolution performance, yep. buried the credits and the tiny print in the booklet, uh, but this thing takes up a good portion of the second disc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the final song, Adore. Originally titled Adore, parenthesis, until the end of time, close parenthesis. I did not realize that until I read it on, on Prince Vault. Okay. Yeah, I mean... I'm glad that they dropped that. There's no need for it. Yeah. Just call it a door. Right. 
This was going to be the middle name of our son had he not been a boy. No, our middle name of our daughter if she'd been born on Prince's birthday. Because she was due oh. the day after Prince's birthday. Well, folks, these are the things you don't argue with your wife about. <laughs> You're right, honey. It was going to be the middle name of one of our children. That That's right. Uh, this ended up also on the hits, despite the fact that it was not a single. Yes, I read that. I guess yeah. the, just because it's so well-loved and played. at a, It got played on quote-unquote black radio stations yeah. a lot, despite the fact that it wasn't a single. Right. It was got a lot of urban radio airplay. Right. It's well-loved. And it's uh, essentially Prince, Eric Leeds, and Atlanta Bliss. They're the only ones on here mm-hmm. um you mentioned when we talked about carmen electra oh yeah the song was sampled there uh-huh it, heavily that? all that that's right Ooh, baby baby you're all that it's basically it's, the music yeah from a door underneath her rapping, talking yes doing whatever yes that is not one of the tracks that are my guilty pleasures from that <laughs> album. Many others. This that one was not it. <laughs> not one of them. I still have never been super happy that the song starts as the crowd noise of "It's Going to Be a Beautiful Night" mm-hmm. is still fading out. So there's not like this clear like I just want to listen to a door, and you, if you just want to listen to that, you get you get a little this, yeah like what are these people screaming about? You know. Unfortunate, but yeah. okay. I mean, great in the context of the album, not great if you're, you know, just looking for the song to listen to. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Another common theme we see with Prince, forever and faded love. He really, the end of time, Yeah, he, he desires that sort of relationship, though yeah. he's shown us <laughs> yeah. previously that he desires it in more than one song on this just this disc he desires it but he's not really capable of it right i know that he knows that relationships have a beginning and an end because everyone he ever had had those bookends yet the romanticizing of eternity and ignoring that people get old time is a trick all these things you know I guess you have to be that wildly committed to discrepant concepts to be able to write and sing music like this. I guess that's maybe what this whole thing proves. Right. Is you can't have a normal view of relationships and write music like this, I don't think. Hmm. I think you can, but I just don't think he did. Well, no, but I'm saying he did. That's how he ended up with... (laughs) The obsession of if I was your girlfriend (laughs) and the dichotomy of strange relationship. I want you to be all mine, yet I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to do you cold. I'm going to do it on purpose But I'm going to be there for you forever. Uh It was like the the Mm. highs and lows were necessary. If he wasn't able to swoop in and make things right, then his relationships were never all that complete. Like they required the good times and the bad times. And Mm -hmm. like they were... It's amazing that he would recognize that that kind of thing happens. You'll hit the ceiling on the highs, you'll hit the floor on the lows, but you're not going to be around forever when it came to age and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. There was a lot more denial going on. Mm -hmm. 
But in any case, we get back to the very 1980s Lindrum sound of If I Was Your Girlfriend. And a lot of the vault collections, uh, vault tracks in this collection have the same kind of drum uh, sound. And we get churchy organs. I mean, mm-hmm. this is Prince preaching as much as Prince ever preached outside of the Rainbow Children when he really was preaching. <laughs> yes, that's fair. He says, that night I had to call you. I was rapping till the sun came up. He wanted to get to know her before they engaged in an intimate adult relationship, though the intimate adult relationship was not far behind. Right. It would get there. Yes. Yes. The very next line when he sings, telling you just how fine you look when he hits the word how and does this falsetto run like in a minute and 17 seconds and Mm -hmm. hits the highest notes that maybe he hits on the whole album. Awesome. But yeah. then, yes, the, then it gets right into sex. Uh-huh. And he's obsessed with virginity. You made love to me like you were afraid. Right. Was you afraid of me? Was I the first? Well, I'm like, well, I guess he didn't get to know her all that well. Guess not. <laughs> Never had that conversation. You know, but I meant to mention at the very beginning, too, that it's not common in Prince's music that a song would start off with the chorus. And this one does. Mm-hmm. Before we get to these verse one lyrics. Right. We get the entire chorus of the song, which almost comes across as a verse on its own. Right. And used to confuse me a lot, but I'm doing better. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you've Recovered. moved beyond... Yeah. I understand now. <laughs> Don't you worry. I guess he had a real rock star lifestyle because he said if he's not cheating, that's how people know the relationship is serious. Oh. Like, wow, that's a rock star lifestyle. That's true. That's a perspective. Yeah. Uh, even the way he swears, there's the F word here. You know, uh-huh. I ain't fucking just for kicks, no. But he kind of buries it with the he buries the swearing with the soulful singing. Uh huh. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he says it, but he doesn't say it. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, we get another reference to crucial. Yes. The condition I got is crucial. Mm-hmm. I love this. Uh, my favorite part of the song is you could burn on my clothes, smash up the ride, and then his kind of aside. Well, maybe not the ride. Well, let's not take funny, it too far. Funny Prince. Yeah, it yeah. was funny. Harmless fun mm-hmm. and delivered expertly. Probably yes. on the first try. I don't know where you come up with this. I'd like to think that I'm a man of exquisite taste, 100% Italian silk imported Egyptian lace. Mm-hmm. Do you think? I can think of a man. 
was some pretty good lyric writing right mm-hmm. there. Again, this is the same guy. Oh, no. From Strange Relationship and If I Was Your Girlfriend. Okay. He wants to be everything to her. Uh-huh. More than your mother, more than your brother. I want to be like no other. Right. And then he says, without you, there is no me. Right. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of pressure to put on a relationship. Aww. Particularly one that is seems like it must be relatively new. It is new, yes. It's, it's romantic. It is very romantic and again fits the extreme case of, mm-hmm. you know, you're not here, then I might as well be dead kind of thing. <laughs> okay. You know, not, yeah. not not like I would I would barely get by without you isn't what he would sing. Uh-huh. He would right. sing I there there's no prince without mm-hmm. you. Right. Girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> then he's got these like Rueful little laughs. Uh-huh. He says, I'll give you my heart and laughs. I'll give you my mind and laughs. Uh-huh. I'll give you my body and laughs a little bit. I'll give you my heart. I'll give you my mind. I'll give you my body. And then you realize, oh, it's it's maybe getting to the harder things uh-huh. because he saves the hardest one for last. I'll give you my time. Yep. I'll give you my time. Also a nice, who knows if it's intentional or not closure to the title track. Mm-hmm. That's all yeah. about, you know, these are the times we live in and here at the end, his most precious gift to Someone he's in a relationship with is, you know, seconds on the clock. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and this is the closeout because at the end of that song, he's saying, at the end of Sign of the Times, he's saying, not let's party, but let's have the full human experience. And here he is trying to hurry along that whole human experience. We don't know how much time we have left. You're exactly right. It's a relatively new experience, and I've known you for since the first moment I saw you, which was like three days ago in this timeline. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm completely dedicated to you, and uh, you now are the center of my universe. Yeah. As ballads go, I really like this one. It's sweet and sinister. Yeah. It's got messages you expect and things that are interesting and a little concerning but yep. then there's funny parts and it's beautifully I mean, delivered anyone who's crazy in love does crazy things right so there's it makes sense that there's some of it maybe it's more troubling than you would like from someone who's crazy in love but it fits that category of stuff it just might take it a little further than i don't know a kind lady might like <laughs> But I think this song just builds and builds and builds to this brilliant crescendo crescendo at the end. And I finished listening to it and I wrote down, what the hell more can you want from a Prince love song? It does still give me chills. And the goosebumps are bumpier on this remaster too, mm-hmm. way bumpier. 
The goosebumps are bumpier. That's right. I should be quoted in the promo materials for this remaster with that. The goosebumps the are, bumpier. are bumpier. I think we just found our episode title. <laughs> well, you're welcome. All right. So that is all the music that was on the original album of Sign of the Times that we've listened to the remastered version. So that means we now have some selections to make here from disc two. All right. We choose three things. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. The C, the thing that we liked the least, or the mountain, the thing that we liked the most. It's not an or, it's an and. We and. have to pick all of those. That's that's right. It's tough. Yeah. You don't know what I go through. <laughs> it was really tough. But these are my rules, so I'll go first, all right. as tough as it was. The time capsule for me was you got the look, because it was all over the radio. Heard it a lot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, I don't know, probably the biggest hit from the album, Mm -hmm. I guess I would say. The most recognizable one. Yeah. I mean, I think the title track also, but yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep. For me, it was I Can Never Take the Place of Your Man because I remember uh, being glued to MTV when the video uh, that came straight from the concert film debuted. And I was like, that's not just a video. That's a different version of the song, too, that I never heard before. And that two minutes and 15 second jazzy bluesy interlude that I kind of sing to myself and hum along to is just ingrained in my brain. I'll never forget it. All right. The C. Man, it's a stupid rule. It is. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, dog on your rules, but it is really stupid. I had to choose. I could never take the place of your man only because I felt like what as a story hell? song, it was a little... Weak because there wasn't a conclusion of some sort. Oh. I wanted more of a conclusion lyrically. Mm. That said, it's a C, but it's a very high C. It's like a tsunami C, much higher than oh. traditional Cs. We're going to have to live in separate rooms for a few days. Oh. <laughs> What's yours? Well, I felt the same way. My first note is, this is crazy. (laughs) Uh, We've got seven songs on this disc, and we have to pick one to be the bottom dweller of the group. And I think this is the smallest number of songs that we've ever had to do this for. One out of seven is like 14% of the music. The math does not add up. So I am going with You Got the Look for my C, only because it's kind of... Just a mindless jam. It's fun. And there's more than enough room for a song like that on a double album. But I was, I boiled it down to the question of which song makes the least contribution to the eclectic nature of the album or add a dimension that would otherwise be missing if it weren't part of it. And I kind of just felt like because it was the newest song recorded, it made the album. That's the kind of place where Prince's attention would be, you know, until the next song came along. I've got to get this on there because it's new and it's fresh. Not because it fits, and not that it doesn't okay. fit. I just think that that's the reason it made it. And had he recorded this earlier, I bet it wouldn't have made the album. And a different mm. Dream Factory or Crystal Ball track would be on there. So what this means is it took this podcast and these rules to make me realize that I like You Got the Look the least of all the tracks on disc two of this album. So thanks for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then The Mountain. 
Those were equally hard. True. <laughs> because, again, still just seven songs. Yep. Many of them very good. Yes. For me, it was The Cross. Really? Yes. Just Oh, with all this, of its technical flaws, oh, huh? Oh, the rich vocal delivery. And I really appreciate the take of not inserting hell into this mm-hmm. relationship. Um, which is something Prince would do later, but yep. this speaks to me where I am right now in my faith journey that I appreciate that that part is left out. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think I could have called that Yeah, had I been asked to, but I was not. Okay. I was not going to step on your decision. That's fine. What's your... Oh. <laughs> it's like picking your favorite child. For me, I just can't believe there's not enough room for a trophy to go to if I was your girlfriend and Adore. Those are the two that it came down to. To me, they're just two incredible tracks. And while I think they both deserve mountain status, this ridiculous podcast forces me to choose. <laughs> so it was like, if I was your girlfriend, well, that's pretty brilliantly written, very coyly sung. And... Uh, If you take the troubling parts of it away, (laughs) it is Prince's way of singing a song about the kind of commitment to transform himself completely just to have a more complete picture of someone that he loves. Now, question his methodology there. And then Adore, brilliantly sung and delivered, layer upon layer of falsetto princes singing their hearts out and some koi fun too with, well, maybe not the ride. So... I'm also sad that if I was your girlfriend didn't perform better as a single. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Adore is just as well known and never was a single. Right. So I'm giving it to Adore, but okay. only by a super skinny hair. Okay. And now I want to go to bed and be sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. But next time... Next time, we're going to take a look at disc three, which contains single edits, B-sides, and remixes. We'll cover everything necessary from that album. I don't know that we're going to cover Sign of the Times, which just fades out at three minutes and 40 seconds instead of going to the end. But we'll cover it as a disc, as it is the next one in this collection. That's right. Disc three coming at you in two weeks. We know you have a choice. You make it. Thanks for listening. Join us next time. Tell a friend. And until then, happy purple listening. Thanks for listening. Originally titled Adore, parenthesis, until the end of time, close parenthesis. I did not realize that until I read it on Facebook. Or oh, not yeah. Facebook. On Prince Vault. Okay.